with episode 862 of the Critical Myth. I'm John, your host, and tonight we have... Uh, this is Gary from Jacksonville, and I've really been enjoying these movie seats lately, John. Much better than my couch. Yeah, it seems like we've been spending an awful lot of time there lately, but uh, yeah, that's because there's been some awesome movies coming out. There's one in particular that came out over Memorial Day weekend that we are going to get into, as well as some season finales, mainly for the DCW shows, but maybe a couple more as well. Before we do all of that in this episode, Gary, I believe there's a disclaimer that you need to give. Ah, uh, yes. While we are discussing both television shows and movies, we will dig into them uh, and really try to pull out what we feel are important or memorable items about them. As a result, uh, some secrets may be spilled, some lives may be lost, or perhaps some love skindled. Uh, we don't apologize so much as really trying to give you the best discussion we can on these topics. So uh, we uh, uh, forget, not forgive us, but uh, allow us this uh, little uh, permission, if you will. There you go. And yeah, so that all having been said, we are going to start off with a discussion of Solo, a Star Wars story. And yeah, um, first of all, I guess we should address, I guess, the elephant in the room. Uh, This movie did not do so well. Um, Gary, now that you've seen it, what are your thoughts as to perhaps why that might have happened? Um, well... Well, you know, you're saying it, it hasn't done well. I believe it still cracked $90 million the first weekend alone, and it will definitely turn into a profitable film. So, uh, Gary, real quick, uh, yes. while you're talking, it sounds like there's a jet engine going off right behind you. Okay, let me just try and move my mic a little bit better and see if that helps. Uh, just give me one second, John. I think okay. I can solve it. While you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give my thoughts on this. Um, basically, for me, it seems like the uh, the problem that this movie encountered was less about the actual movie and more about the fact that it was very publicly kind of a, a, a troubled production. So it sounds like it had just really bad word of mouth, and that really didn't help. But one thing that I've heard from a lot of people is that um, once they've seen the movie, they actually like it. So it's almost a matter of, you know... The movie needs to kind of get um, better opinions, I guess, out there for it. Uh, or, or I'm not exactly sure how else to put it other than what. Well, what I could say about it definitely is um, the trailers definitely turned me off. I did not feel anything coming out of the trailers that uh, the actor would be able to pull off Han Solo or even um, or Lando's, Lando's character either. And so when I actually got into the movie and watching it, I was like, oh, my gosh, the, you know, they really, really um, – captured it for me in a way that the trailers never let on uh so much so you know it I, you know i went to go see it almost in, as a completist so to speak but um the trailers left me very cold and i was happily uh surprised that um was it emmerich I'm trying to think of what is um i was very surprised that um how well it did come off that the uh portrayals of these characters that we've known for years now um, actually did um, work out well and I was uh, I was very happy with it um, I, I, there, of course there's always pluses and minuses to just about any production but um, no I enjoyed this more than I expected to um, I I'm a bit ambivalent that it sort of didn't connect in more than I wanted it to uh, we had drop-in lines here and there but um, I guess part of me wishes it was rooted a little bit more in um, more Star Wars lore, but uh, even by itself, it stands alone as a uh, fine movie and definitely an introduction to the character. Yeah, I think that it does. I think there are a couple places where it really shows that it was cobbled together by uh, a few different directors and perhaps had some uh, some rewrites um, along the way. 
uh, it, it's it's funny that people don't kind of pay attention to the fact that there's there's nothing that shows that the uh, that the script was rewritten per se, but it it definitely had to have gone through some kind of uh, revision in order for this to have worked out at all, given the drastic change in the tone between the two uh, directors. You know, the original director duo was the were the people who'd made the Lego Movie. And so you went from that to Ron Howard. I don't think you can have a much greater <laughs> shift. Range, yeah. That. Yeah. Oh, no, d- uh, definitely. How, you know, and you're right. The fingerprints of the uh, hashing together, if you will, are, are obvious. There's there's several you know key points where the sort of feeling of the movie almost changes the channel, for lack of a better term. Uh, definitely hops on a sort of a different track and bounces back and forth a little bit. But, um, you know, I wonder if that's maybe not Han Solo's life in the first place. You know, so a lot of boring work, and then all of a sudden it gets real exciting for a little while. <laughs> uh, it, it seems to fit with uh, the, the whole storyline in general. It really does, I suppose. And the, 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 the thing that really kind of gets to me, first of all, is uh, Lando is definitely, um, I think, dead on. I think that there's only a few moments where it doesn't really work. And that's the weird part is that that's what you see in the trailers. Essentially you see, there are so many spots in the trailers where it just feels like, um, they picked some scenes that really just weren't very representative of the movie. And, uh, one person made a point about that where they said, essentially, if you really think about it, the scenes from the trailers had to have come from the original footage from the first director duo. And one might kind of wonder if, they simply weren't ready for the kind of uh, challenge that directing this kind of movie uh, really put onto the table. I don't know if they've ever done live action before, maybe they have, but it seems like maybe they just weren't getting good enough performances out of the cast. And it could be that then the, the movie itself when you get down to it, when the parts that Ron Howard did, he's used to to this by now. He's been doing it for a while. So he could have definitely gotten better performances out of his cast. Um, it just seems like there was a lot of early footage um, from the original directors in the trailers. And I think that that did the movie a disservice. I think it's really hard for the movie to kind of uh, show its best by using literally some of the worst <laughs> yeah, in the promotion of it. And I'm sort of shocked that they didn't go back and throw out a second trailer. It really surprises, surprised me that they ran with, kept running with that one even after the uh, the tone change. So um, I think that's definitely a uh, big precursor of it. I've had some people actually, you know, use the term, you know, franchise fatigue as well. You know, we had these, you know, three or if you want to go as far and say six movies on these pedestals for so long that the idea of all this new material constantly coming out is almost more than a Star Wars fan is used to absorbing. And that, uh, that maybe especially with what this would be considered as a spin-off film there's even less interest so uh you know there's there might be something to say that uh disney is going to the mine a little too often and every single year to have a uh, star Tra- star wars film might be maybe too much maybe so i'm i'm kind of countering that with the fact that rogue one was a story that well it's connected to the original uh, trilogy and it's connected to the, uh, to the main timeline in many respects. It is almost entirely original. I mean, okay. Yes. Do they tie right into the beginning of new hope? Sure. But how many of the characters were established characters? Effectively none. True. Um, here we have characters that are established. Um, they have been played by people who are pretty um, iconic and, you're kind of going back and you're playing that kind of it's playing to the worst side of the of the prequels in many respects it's playing to that whole let's tell you a story that you never really asked for um 
in, in the sense of, did we need to know all of this in order for us to appreciate Han? No. Um, it doesn't really need to be there. And I think that there's a lot of people who feel that way. I think that it's there are other movies that maybe have more of a purpose, or, or there are more people asking for it. Um, I think that in general there was a lot of skepticism about Solo as a movie. I think that people were looking more for, okay, I don't know why, because quite frankly the character is not that important over in overall, but you know, a lot of people are excited about a Boba Fett movie. Hmm. Okay. Um, a lot of people are excited about a Kenobi movie. Oh, that's me. That's me. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, these are like again, like the Kenobi thing is, is that th- what they're excited about is the idea of an older Ewan McGregor playing the same character that he played before as a bridge to you know Alec Guinness in many respects. So it's almost like there, there you're you have a greater attempt or, or a chance of just extending one character's story in a more organic fashion. I think that there are a lot of um, advantages to doing it that way. And then there's also the advantage of doing it the rogue one way. I feel like this movie almost fit like in between those two desires and just, I don't know a lot of people who were like, Oh great. We get the origin of Han Solo. I just don't get that many people who I think were like clamoring for it. So while there well, are people who are yeah. more than happy to go out and see it, there are a whole lot of other people that are like, eh, I can wait. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Han Solo is not everyone's favorite character. It's out, you know, the Star Wars has always been for for you know pretty much an, an ensemble an ensemble piece where it, you know it takes multiple actors to carry the movie and uh, putting all your eggs into one basket with just uh, Han might be uh, yeah might be more than you can get off. Uh, you know, get get these kind of crazy numbers and gosh, it's I don't you know. I'm trying to imagine, even if you had like the perfect story imaginable, how many people can you get in seats? You know, when you know when it seems like every three months there's a new blockbuster that's breaking every numerical record possible. I mean, it, that's you know sometimes it's not even a matter of the story. Sometimes it's the timing when you decide to release it. Sometimes you know it could be the weather across the country on an opening weekend. It's it can be so fickle sometimes as to what you know pushes a movie. Uh, you know, over, over you know, over the top, and you know, Han Solo is definitely a sort of narrowed down focus scope on the Star Wars universe, and I think it's just naturally going to draw less people. Um, like I said, I don't think there's any worries that will ever that will uh, lose money within the next few weeks, but uh, you know, it's it's hard to you know have a single character focus bring up you know bring in record breaking breaking numbers because he won't appeal to everyone, or at least not enough of people. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. I mean, for example, uh, gosh, you know, we've been hearing about the Kessel Run, at least I don't know about you, but for me, for nearly for oh, pretty much 40 years now. And I guess I had I had all sorts of different things in my mind's eye as to what it would be. And now we saw it on the screen. And I think it's one of those things. Sometimes you're better off not knowing because my vision was much grander and, <laughs> and uh, much larger than what I got to see in this movie. And it was a, it became a bit of a letdown for me on, on that. You know, I'd always pictured it was some sort of actual, like real race, like, you know, like 20, 30 you know, spaceships all trying to get through some asteroid encrusted area of space. And while they, I wouldn't say they didn't do justice to it. It definitely was not the grand uh, race that I had, a, that I pictured in my head. Yeah. Well, I mean, we also, uh, you know, on that note, grew up with um, Cannonball Run. And so the Cannonball Run sounds an awful lot like that's supposed to imply a some kind of, like, daring race. And, yeah, doesn't seem like that's the way it worked. Anyway, yeah. um, let's see, what else is there? I think your point about, like, if you've got all these movies that are just knocking it out of the park as far as uh, 
as far as the the you know box office is concerned, and they're hitting one weekend after the other, they're really going to struggle to hit the numbers that they were putting out there. Um, in particular, I, I'm just going to kind of throw out there, um, just this month, we had Avengers Infinity War, which is still steamrolling over practically everything, right? Mm-hmm. You've got then, right on the heels of that, you have Deadpool 2, which is counter-programming, like, in some weird way, it's counter-programming Avengers, um, mm. and yet still drawing off of the grand adventure Disney um, kind of, like, well, if you will. And Deadpool has only been out a week. Not everybody went out to see it. And what movie, if they didn't get to see it on opening weekend, what movie are they going to go out and see on Memorial Day weekend? Which movie had more of a, like, I don't know that Deadpool 2 had a lot of, like, a huge presence, like the first one did, as far as, like, online and as far as uh, popularity. But I know a lot more people who were really excited about going to see that movie. So that one still has legs. Um, Solo was competing against both of those movies, at least both of those movies, if nothing. Yeah. And, you know, Infinity War is literally has beat the original Avengers movie now. Mm. And and to, you know, your further point, the only real movie that it has left to beat is Black Panther in the same franchise. So it's and that movie just came out a few months ago. So it's it's definitely a, a problem when you have all of these major titles kind of drawing off of effectively the same audience and as you said it just doesn't have that cachet like infinity war huge amount of buzz even now a huge amount of buzz deadpool 2 at least riding at least somewhat on the on the coattails of the original movie solo just doesn't have that right now and there are a lot of people who almost felt like they didn't realize it came out this weekend (laughs) yes i mean i realized they were timing it to release on the actual uh, Star Wars Day, if you will, you know, May 25th. And so there was definitely a uh, historic and uh, sympathetic precedent for the date it was released. But you're right, uh, given that it draws, I feel, from similar audiences, as you said, to Deadpool, it really split the uh, viewing audience. And not many people would go to see both within a, within a week's time. Yeah. It, it was a bit of a struggle on our end, to say the least. So Yes. Yeah. Um, now that being said, it's pulled in almost two hundred million dollars so far. I mean, yeah. it's not a horrible amount of money for uh, what is it a week, a one week? Yeah, and it, it does come down to the. I guess you could say it comes down to expectation. There's a lot of people who would be perfectly happy with that, but there's also a lot of people who are thinking, "But this is a Star Wars movie." So, in in many respects, it depends on what they're willing to absorb. I think that it would be a real shame if they were going to scale back the non-sequential movies or non-trilogy movies because this one kind of took a a bit of a flop. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors into it, and and very bad advanced word of mouth doesn't help. Um, Now, just to kind of get away from the context of the movie, what was your favorite part of it? Oh, um... Huh... Um, uh, I think my favorite part was the um, sort of the battle scene where Han's a grunt, I guess, fighting on, I'm not sure what planet, and he um, uh, hits up with... uh, with geez, I don't. I I think they're like a, I guess a bounty hunter team or some opportunistic. They never actually gave them a uh, 
you know, an actual uh, name per se that I, I'm aware of. But that group, um, you know, as he's sort of begging to get in <laughs> and, you know, breaks out of jail and you know, runs after them and the ships just start take it off. I thought that was uh, sort of uh, very interesting. How Han's definitely trying to make his own way in the world. So I, I, I'd say that was probably one of my more enjoyable points. And also the fact that he doesn't get that Kira is not into him anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, here he's been, you know, holding, pining hope for years now and doing everything he can and she's sort of like oh i'm glad you're okay <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and she doesn't really uh uh at least i don't feel like he sees that she really doesn't care that much anymore yeah yeah it definitely it was a good part of the movie that's that's for sure um the other part that i kind of liked was uh really just i thought lando was really well represented um, I kind of like the idea that, that they played with the undertone of his character from Empire, that he was um, he was his own brand of scoundrel. He wasn't exactly mm. like Han. He was more of a, not so much a con artist so much as just really good at playing up his own, like, myth. And kind of always just ahead of it. And you kind of got that sense in in Empire, but this really kind of played that up. And it, it kind of shows a, a slightly different path to um, kind of legitimacy than what Han had. But in a way, it's kind of like, yeah, Lando has his own parallel course that he kind of takes to get to a similar um, to a similar place in, in Return of the Jedi. So I kind of, I really liked it. And I thought that the very first line that he delivered sounded so much like Billy D. Williams. So yeah, I was really quite impressed by that. Oh yeah, they, they. I mean, they definitely. Try, both characters, I felt, tried to ape the their uh, sort their source actors, if you will, to some extent with um, body movements and some voice characterizations. I felt they really put some time into that, and it was and it was appreciated. I think it helped uh, pull the pull those characters through to this younger age. Uh, with Lando, I mean Lando. Yeah. I, I, I sorry, slip of the tongue. Um, no, I enjoyed him as well. Although I guess it did cast him in a different light for me. I always felt like he sort of was more planned out or sort of you know, had things laid, laid out in advance and figured out. And I, this, at least this version of him sort of shows him flying by the seat of his pants a little bit more than, uh, I would have expected in the character. Not that it's a bad thing one way or the other. And there's not really much other than, you know, some novels which don't exist technically anymore, but, um, but yeah, he, he just, he seemed in some ways just as lost as, as Han was, but as you said, doing it in his own way. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just kind of making getting by, as best he can. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what was the part that you liked the least? Um, well, let's see. I did mention the Kessel Run, but um, the I guess the first stage of when they um, met the group of proto rebels <laughs> uh, when they first met them and um and sort of it looked like uh you know they had all been captured that that faint that the uh, writers threw at us like it seemed like you know like all was lost and then you know everything turned around quite quickly in, in very much a star wars fashion but for a minute i'm like wait how did they lose this bad this quick i just don't get it and then i realized it's just because they were faking it but for the few few minutes till i figured it out it was uh, I was i was sort of disappointed that Wait a minute! They're gonna have the enemy ahead already. Ah, oh, jeez, I, I didn't care for that part of it. Mm. I guess for me, the part that kind of got irritating um, was that uh, the, the droid whose name escapes me—it always does L three, maybe or something like that. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, the when the kind of like 
droid rights part came up initially, and it was a little bit of like a shtick, it was fine. It was kind of like a little bit like, ha, okay, that's pretty funny. Um, you know, it kind of, it's kind of interesting in its own way, um, but doesn't really fit in that universe all that much. Um, yeah. And then when it became like a huge thing, it, you know, as much as I feel like, you know, there is a certain degree of uh, room for social commentary in Star Wars and really in any property, you, you just have to make sure that it fits in the context of it. In this case, I felt like the writers from some of the less, like, successful episodes of Supergirl came over and wrote... The, the um, because this was about as heavy-handed as it gets. The people who complain, um, in my opinion, a bit overwroughtly uh, in terms of Rose in The Last Jedi, need to take a look at this. Because <laughs> this makes Rose look subtle. Um, it's really like beat you over the head, and it, and it it actually took me out of the scene every once in a while. I don't know if it was the way that the voiceover was done or what, but it just felt like it was crammed in um, a little bit inelegant, inelegantly, and um, it could have been done a little bit better and still gotten the message across. It just felt so heavy-handed, um, especially when you've got a lot of other things going on. Um, what yeah? What did you think of how that whole thing was handled? Oh, I mean, yeah, I agree. It was uh, social commentary, and not that science fiction is uh, devoid of it. Heck, it's. I think that's part of the reason the genre exists is to uh, you know give us a, a freedom to uh, comment on social expression within the framework of the uh, the fiction, which allows a certain freedom as well as latitude to complain and point out things. And in this point, in this case, I feel like it failed that because when you don't sort of transmute it um, to be that one step removed, you it doesn't give you the opportunity to um, independently think about the the whole subject and i felt that you're right that's sort of where it failed because you don't get you you can't sort of step away from your involvement in that issue to look at it objectively which is what i feel science fiction does when it presents um you know moral arguments or things like that um it, this was so in your face and so blatantly obvious that it was um you know it it's lost that power that being able to you know if uh, cloak it, if you will, in in Star in in, in science fiction uh, genre and uh, gobbledygook, that you know lets you look at the argument without the emotional investment you have because you're you deal with it you know on a daily basis in reality. But this was so blatantly you know, obvious, you know, about you know about slavery and oppression and stuff that it um it, it lacked that ability for you to abstractly look at it and come up with an opinion. Yeah, yeah. It it didn't have. Uh, I mean, now granted, we're we're all um, fans of many different franchises here. This felt like some of the like really like bad um, bad uh, social commentary from like the third season of the original series of Star Trek. I mean, like, why don't they just break out the like por- the uh, the mispronounced words of the uh, preamble or something or whatever was in was it the Omega Factor? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yangs and yes. Anyway, um, before not to beat that particular horse. Um, anyhow, uh, solo. What would be kind of like your your uh, final thought on this, or, or even like a score if you had to give one? Oh, okay. Well, I am glad that I saw it. Um, I don't feel I. I still feel that 
it could have been that the script itself could have been executed better. I felt the actors did a uh, did a phenomenal job of bringing their characters to life, though. And um, I do have to say that while we didn't discuss it that much, I really enjoyed Chewbacca in this. For the first time in any of the Star Wars movies, I felt like he was an active participant and a character, not just a ship or a gun. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, it really felt like he was involved, and I enjoyed the style of conversation between him and Han that I don't think any of the Star Wars movies sort of got it to this sort of casual talking back and forth between each other. It always so, almost seems like he's translating or listening for the voice from God when Chewbacca talks. And this way, you really felt like it was two friends chewing the fat with each other, and I really enjoyed that characterization. Um, that being said, I'm still going to be a little bit critical. Uh, I, if I had to score it on a 10 scale i'm probably looking at like a seven and a half mm-hmm. maybe uh but uh like i said i just don't feel they did all they could have done with with uh solo yeah i think that i would come around in, uh, at approximately the same kind of uh same kind of score um it was at the end of the day it was just a, a, a few ticks above average well i don't feel i don't feel like solo developed I, I, he did not. If you look at the character from the from the right when he's introduced through the end of the movie, he has not changed at all. And that's usually what we need to see in a story. We need to see growth, development, either positive or negatively. And uh, I didn't feel like he changed at all. Yeah, it was just kind of there because it was really just one point on a on a curve, and we already know where the curve goes. Yes. So yeah, it's. There were a few interesting callbacks, a few interesting little nods and winks, but yep, otherwise I think that this was probably, unfortunately, uh, a pretty average entry. Now, yeah, we'll just have to see. Uh, we've got a little bit of a wait, I think at least a year and a half now, before we see Episode Nine, So we may have uh, a little bit of, uh, of a remedy there to the uh, fatigue that you were uh, talking about. Yeah. One can only hope. All right, uh, that means that we are going to go ahead and we are going to go ahead and switch gears. I believe that sound actually signals it in some odd way um, to some episodic discussion. And um, the first thing I want to discuss, uh, even though it's not actually about an episode per se, is um, some extremely good news. Some news that almost we never hear these days. The Expanse has been saved. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm as shocked. As and, it, and it did not involve protomatter in any way that I'm aware of. Nope. Okay. nope. It did not. Um, maybe some protomolecule. Yeah. But, you know, as long as they keep it confined to the, uh, to, to the headquarters of sci-fi, we'll be okay. I'm fairly sure. Anyway, yeah, so, yes, The Expanse has been saved. It's going to Amazon, um, where it is currently streaming. The first two seasons, anyway. So, um, a lot of the... the, the, uh, the return on investment issues that sci-fi was kind of running into because of their very poor deal. Um, the, the Amazon does not have that problem. So it, it seems like uh, there's a lot of talk that they feel like this could actually be um, kind of give the show a real uh, kick of adrenaline in terms of the uh, its future. It may not, It's just a fourth season for now, but there's a lot of people who feel like taking this over to a streaming service like Amazon actually opens up for uh, a, an even longer life. So, fingers crossed on that one, but for right now, uh, that's as good a place to begin as any. We'll kind of uh, set aside our usual... Well, no, I guess we don't have to, because that is on Wednesday nights. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and actually 
um, refer to this almost like a season finale because um, even though it's a mid-season episode for the third season, it is the final <laughs> episode to tackle the material from the second book. So, oh, is this where it ends? Okay. Yeah, this is about where the second book ends. So, uh, in in some ways, this is a perfect place for everything to uh, to wrap up, uh, as far as uh, thinking of it as a quote-unquote finale. So, uh, that being said, everybody gave um, season three, episode six, Immolation, a nine. And uh, Gary, just your thoughts on this one? Oh, well, I, uh, I. I binge watched actually to catch up with the, with the season, and um, so I I guess running it back to back, it really felt uh, this whole it really felt fast paced to me. Um, I felt that the uh, gra- all the ground was uh, well laid out, so that as things started to unfurl, like the revelation of the message that we've that's been floating around for a while, uh, finally came out. It wasn't so much a surprise, so much as uh, oh, finally, um, it was a relief that that came out. I enjoyed the uh, I guess the it wasn't quite a space battle, but I, I definitely um, enjoyed the um, the dr- the tension and drama that was happening between um, the Earth and Mars forces. Um, I felt that they did bring a lot of stuff together, and with all this stuff happening, though, I sort of scratched my head and, and wonder why the uh, why all of the all the people are still as important as they are on the uh, Rosente. Yeah. Rasinante. Yeah. When all these other things are happening, and somehow they still manage to stay right in the middle of everything, which uh, I realize is writing, of course, but uh, I just I think they need some sort of stronger tie-in at this point. Oh, I also enjoyed all the Belters starting to come back into things. That was uh, that's uh, a nice uh, plot line to start building up again. So uh, it's uh, quite an interesting universe that's been. Um, developing in front of my eyes or at least on my screen since i didn't read the book so um uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot um we don't get enough hard science fiction i'm thrilled that there was such an uproar and uh, swelling to um to keep the show going for, early, for at least another season so that's uh, that's wonderful um the special effects i thought still um uh, hold up very well the um the people feel very comfortable in the characters at this point so um i'm really looking forward and i'm very anxious about if the guess solar system will survive uh, everything that's happening. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, as we see that there are some changes on the horizon to say the least, as far as what's happening with the protocol molecules. So yeah, that's all going to um, kind of uh, unfold as the rest of the third season does. Uh, I really love the pacing this season. There are, uh, it, I can only imagine uh, watching it, uh, binge watching this show because to me it's like I get to the end of the hour and even knowing what's coming most of the time, I still feel like I need to take a like nice nap um, because the pace is almost um, unrelenting and the and it really is a show that that drives on uh, on keeping you on the edge of your seat as to how what's going to happen next. So uh, definitely, I I thought that this episode was a real good um, it was a real good way to kind of wrap things up. And, uh, yeah, we're going to just have to see what happens next. <laughs> and it certainly takes a bit of a shift as we go into the next uh, the next few episodes of the third season. Also on Wednesday nights, not to be uh, dismissed as far as finales are concerned, is Riverdale Season 2, Episode 22, Brave New World. Um, I thought that it was a pretty good wrap-up for the second season. Um, the second season in general is a little bit all over the place, but it's by design. It's kind of meant to kind of um, be a, a little bit chaotic, um, and it's fun for that reason. It's kind of campy and, and that's kind of the way that it goes, but I thought that it ended really well. It changes the status quo as any good finale does and leaves you on a cliffhanger as any good finale that, uh, leads into a, an assured next season can do. So, 
Riverdale, once again, the second season, I thought an improvement, if not the same, hmm. um, on the first season, just because now they can be even crazier because they know they, they are a hit. Um, now, Gary, that we're going to shift gear. No, it's still on Wednesday nights. Wow, there are a lot of shows on Wednesday nights. Uh, I keep getting surprised by that. Um, I know that it's uh, we're getting, we'll be a little bit ahead of ourselves if we say this, but did, were you able to finish the first season of Krypton? Yes. Okay. So we had uh, season one, episode nine, Hope, and then episode ten, The Phantom Zone. Um, I have to say, I thought that the first season ended really well. They it really came on strong, and the ability to take, uh, to, I'll say, to personalize um, Brainiac um, was very well executed. Um, uh, you know, obviously they they were going along with that stupid three head row god substitute whatever and at some point thank gosh they finally decided to ditch it all together and i was happy that they did um and bringing brainiac from this large overwhelming ship that's almost a planet destroyer or, or at least a city destroyer if i don't give too much away um to bring him into a person that uh that's interacting with our cast um was very well done in my opinion i enjoy much more as i've always enjoyed brainiac much more as a person to person type of villain than this sort of large almost uh force of nature type of villain that sometimes he's portrayed as so um yeah i thought it came together really well i lo- i'm loving the um zod family storyline that's going on the um the grandfathers um whether it's the uh the pretend hologram or the real hologram um both uh, both facets of him are working out really well i enjoyed the fact that the grandfather was in the phantom zone i thought that was a really nice way to mine um superman lore and and use it actively and so um no i was i was really uh thrilled with the way it's gone um it's was definitely very slow and i still think uh segel is probably the weakest character in the whole series but um but everything else is uh coming along quite well yeah i was rather impressed and actually interested in seeing what they can do for a second season at this point uh, on Thursday nights, we had Supernatural Season 13, Episode 23, Let the Good Times Roll. Uh, in my opinion, it kind of ends a nice, strong run of episodes here at the end of this 13th season. Um, and also sets up some a really interesting situation for Season 14. So uh, did they fix the fact that it, doesn't seem, that it didn't seem like there was much of a point to what they were doing? In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. Um, so we'll have to just kind of see what they manage to do, uh, with season 14 to really kind of bring it all together. It, it still feels a little loose, fast and loose as far as the, the, the direction things are going. That's my one concern, but at least the season ended on a good note. Also on Thursday nights is Arrow season six, episode 23, Life Sentence. Um, I thought it was a pretty good end to the season. How about you, Gary? Uh, yeah, well, it's exactly where I thought it was going to end <laughs> from uh, probably about halfway through the first the first part of the season. I figured Oliver was going to be revealed and end up in jail, and uh, sure enough, I was right. I um, I enjoyed the I guess the physicality of um, Diaz Diaz as a uh, competitor or a villain, um, but. Uh, much in the line of the way uh, Deathstroke, I think, works so well. Oliver needs uh, a, a physical threat, not just uh, a mental way to figure out how to overcome something. But um, it's you know it, it needs to be a physical show, and uh, the the hero and villain need to actually trade you know trade fists. And I, they 
presented Diaz in a way that I thought was maybe not Oliver's equal, but someone who at least is on his level. And um, I I think they did a great job. He's probably the, one of the better villains he's had in a while now. And um, I did give the yeah I did give the spoiler. Oh my gosh, Lance! Oh my oh jeez! I can't believe they killed him. And, I'm still upset about that. Yeah, the um. So that being the case, uh, did you see that coming? No, no, I did not. If anything, I thought. Um, let's see. Let me see if I can keep my worlds right. Um, Black Siren. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought. I thought she was going to sacrifice herself. That's what I was waiting to see. So this took me completely out of uh, left field. I figured she was going to sacrifice herself for 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 uh, Lance. But um, when it went that way, that 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 surprised me. So that that really, I, my mouth was hanging uh, hanging open, going. <gasps> And it just stayed there for a minute. I didn't see it coming, and it hit me harder than I expected it to. <laughs> mm. Okay, so let's see now. Um, next on the list, I guess the only thing with, with Life Sentence, I, I will say just now, is that, the number one, the title gives it all away. Um, mm. There was really no surprise once you got past that. Um, and then, of course, uh, for me, the fact that they kind of carried Diaz over as the villain was a little surprising to me. So, because uh, you're, I'm not used to that with Arrow. So, yeah. Um, on Friday nights we had Agents of Shield season five episode twenty two, the end, and we all give this one a nine. Um, and to me it's kind of interesting because I know that they were planning to like make this an episode that could serve as a series finale if it had to be. Wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, I know they're coming back, but it, yes. it was. It sure was. I mean. I mean, all the way down to the uh, cult where Coulson ended up at the end. Oh, come on. How do you tell me that was not the series wrap-up, regardless of what the next season brings? You know, there he is after, you know, five seasons, actually on the beach in Tahiti. Come on. <laughs> Jeez, you, you, can't, you can't wrap things up with a bow any tighter than that. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's kind of interesting to me that uh, they, they are continuing forward because they did such a good job of wrapping up the series that now I don't know that there's a whole lot that they need to do. Um, it almost feels like there's the danger of kind of going back, even if it's only for 13 episodes, which I mean, season six sounds like it's going to be the last one. Um, but we've been saying that forever. Um, yeah, we this, said that about three. <laughs> yeah, we said that about season three. Exactly. Um, it seemed to me like they kind of had their moment to bring this to a natural end, and then they chose to bring it back, which I almost wish they could have decided, okay, you know what, we'll bring some of these characters back, we'll reboot and start with a new title and call it something else. Um, because otherwise, what's the point? It seems like it's kind of like, okay, the main story is over, we're going to give you now kind of like the appendix. <laughs> well, you, you know, they did talk about tying this in with Avengers somehow, and with Infinity War Part two or the, I don't even know if they're going to call it something else because they really didn't market the first one as part one so we'll have to see but um, you know maybe you know when the world disappears S.H.I.E.L.D. has to get back together again to, to try and help yeah maybe so maybe so just a, just a thought but uh, but yeah I, I really I don't want to see a S.H.I.E.L.D. without Coulson I mean I realize that they've been throwing it in our face that Daisy's ready she's a natural born leader she can figure out everything it just takes her a second or so but um but with all, with all that force feeding of she's a good leader and she's the one to take care of the team um no i still i still i still want mr colson <laughs> colson out forward out in front so uh uh i hope they i mean i'm sure they will come up with a way to bring him back once he's done shooting uh time traveling and shooting his other movies yeah who knows who knows all right let's see 
skipping then all the way over to Tuesday night to kind of wrap this up, we've got The Flash, Season 4, Episode 23, We Are The Flash. And boy, did we have a difference of opinion on this one. I gave it a 7.5. You gave it a 9. Uh, what was your reason for giving it such a high score? Ralph. Ralph. Uh, uh, I Ralph, should have yeah. known. I should have <laughs> Ralph. <laughs> and funny enough, that would have been my reason for giving it a 7.5. No, actually, it's not the only reason. But um, go ahead and like, give me your thoughts on this episode. Oh, number one. I didn't see him coming back. Uh, that that shocked that shocked the heck out of me. The writers really did a good job of uh, convincing me he was uh, dead. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that um, that they felt uh, Devoe um, was uh, savable in some way, even after all he's done and all the people that he's killed. Uh, we still there's still his wife still holds out hope for him, and I I thought that was sort of a nice thing, and I think it's something that we uh, forget about that. Uh, you know, Flash does put forward a lot of bit, a lot of times. There's a way to solve the problem. We we'll just have to work it. We'll figure it out. We'll get it done. You know, we we can do this. And um, Devoe has been um, such a dark storyline. Not as bad as last year, but still, uh, you know, dark with all these uh, people getting killed. Not to mention uh, uh, Ralph's departure. That um, that I think we sort of forgot that you know this is supposed to be something you know about hope and that things turn out good and you know. Um, Flash is not supposed to be a dark, bitter show where, you know, at least not as dark and bitter as Arrow is. It's supposed to be a little bit lighter. And I feel that they sort of ripped and pulled the show back into that uh, sort of state uh, by by salvaging Ralph and as well as uh, having the wife uh, finally turn against DeVoe and realize that uh, find her true calling again of helping people. And so, and uh, I think that's, uh, that's at least for me, that's what I take away from it was that out of all this morass of darkness and death and uh, overwhelming odds that they were able to, to win and solve it, you know, solve the problem and fix it, fix it and even get their friend back on top of it. And I just thought that was a, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, a nice uh, type of, you know, a nice ending for this episode. For me, I think it was the speed in the episode of by which they kind of took down DeVoe and kind of the manner in which they did it. It felt a little bit, it felt a little bit convenient. Um, and just, it didn't feel well, like the woman in labor, the woman in labor would say a different thing. However, well, maybe so, but, uh, no, I, yeah, I know what you're saying after uh, why couldn't they have thought of this two episodes or three episodes ago, she already had her powers and, uh, there, there was no reason that they could, couldn't have put this together, but really there was because they had to convince his wife that if she wasn't helping them, they were not going to ever be in the position. So they had to, you know, sort of show her that, you know, the light of the light that, you know, that this isn't the way it's supposed to be. You're destined to help people and do better things. And once they convinced her, then they were able to defeat DeVoe. So it wasn't a matter of appealing to DeVoe. It was a matter of appealing to the wife. And I think maybe that's sort of what they, that the flash missed, uh, at least for a large part of the season, he kept trying to talk, talking DeVoe out of, you know, they even tried to out logic him at one point and it just didn't work because that wasn't how the problem got solved. So once, uh, was it, uh, no, wait, was it Iris? Yeah, once Iris figured out figured it out, um, everything fell into place pretty easily, and that's I think why it did. But uh, you know, it it it's, it was definitely thinking outside of the box because Devoe had thought of everything in the box, so um, you wouldn't solve it that way. So uh, I mean, that's what I think, and I, I can understand where yeah, it was a very quick resolution to uh, a problem that was pretty much in place and locked in for 
half a season already and they just, you know, sort of, oh, hey, but they wouldn't have done it if they didn't convince the wife and maybe she remembered some of those residual mind wipes or he, at some point, DeVoe just didn't care anymore. He wasn't even treating her as a uh, loving spouse anymore. She she was a, a lab assistant and um, I think it finally got to her. Mm. Yeah, it may have, but uh, to me, it still felt like when they got in there that the whole thing of finding Ralph and all of that just felt like, oh, that's an interesting way to kind of walk things back. But well, well, he's in his body. I the whole consciousness. I I, I almost can sort of see it. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, as a side note, we got to meet there at the very end. We got to meet uh, Barry and Iris's daughter, or at least that's who she claims to be. Mm-hmm. Which uh, so we'll. Uh, a lot of people are saying that she's the uh, Legion of Superheroes speedster uh, XS. So uh, okay, okay. we'll we'll have to see. Uh, uh, I think they call her Joan here. Her nickname in the comics is Jenny. So uh, kind of close. Maybe we'll get away with it. Uh, they changed changed a lot more of the Legion and Super and Supergirl. So I'll I'll take a pronunciation difference anytime. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, but we'll have to see. But that now we have an, yet another speedster. So now we have uh, let's see, we have Barry. We we now have the new one, Joan. We also have Wally. So uh, yeah, it's uh, quite a uh, uh, quite a busy place right now. And all of them are faster than Barry. <laughs> Sorry, on- ongoing joke. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Um, well, that is it, actually, as far as the list of shows that we were going to go over this time. And we're actually only going to have the one episode this week that we're recording here at the end of May. So um, we'll be back in uh, you know around mid June. Um, so until then, hopefully everybody will enjoy some of our discussion on Solo. It does look like we have a little bit of a break before we have the next superhero movie in July, so uh, we, we deserve a little bit of time off. But uh, any last thoughts, Gary, before we wrap up? Uh, no, uh, decent roundups, even with our uh, slight difference on the uh, the Flash at the end. I think we, we, we've had a very strong season for a lot of these shows, and I especially think of a, a slow show like Krypton that really uh, pulled it out in the end, which is uh, was a nice surprise. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing how some of these other shows that are currently still running uh, manage to end their seasons because they will parse out through at least early June. So when we come back, we'll have a few more shows that will be done for the season and we'll be able to discuss. And in fact, we'll have one show that I hope we'll have Edmund back to discuss that's coming to a finale for the entire season. So or the entire series, rather. So, uh, and yeah, we'll be. Oh, I, I, I want to hear that one. So oh, absolutely. All right, so that is it. So, until next time. And so ends another epic episode of The Critical Myth. If you want to leave a comment for this show, head over to vognetwork.com. Not only can you find links to the podcast version of each show, but there is a dedicated forum, a ton of written reviews, and related articles by the crew throughout the site. For the written reviews, you can even leave your own review. So let us know if you agree or not. You can also leave comments on our Facebook page, Critical Myth, on Twitter at Critical Myth, or Google Plus under The Critical Myth Show. Any and all use of copyrighted material is only intended for discussion, commentary, parody, or educational purposes, in accordance with U.S. Code Title 17, also known as Fair Use. In other words, please don't sue us. And of course, the statements and opinions of the Critical Myth crew are not necessarily those of the VOG network, its partners, or affiliates. But let's face it, we're probably right anyway. Until next time, watch, watch, read, read, and listen, and listen, and believe, and believe in the critical, in the critical myth.